Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 323. And I'm really excited because it's just me and Kasim solo this week. No guests, nobody to distract us, nobody to argue with. Maybe we'll just have to argue amongst ourselves instead, pick a fight amongst ourselves. Because today's topic is something that's near and dear to both of our hearts here is we're going to be talking about how to pick the right marketing agency. Now, before you say, oh my God, Ralph, that's so self-serving. Yeah, you run tier 11 and custom run solutions eight. Well, you know, half of the listeners, if not more, are people that are actually looking to grow their business. And usually you do that by either doing it internally. So you can certainly take a lot of the stuff here and apply that to your internal team. Or if you've got an agency right now that's running traffic for you, running your marketing, or maybe you're looking for another one, I think there's going to be some important points here. And we will try not to be as self-serving as humanly possible and as educational as we always are here on Perpetual Traffic. But you know, we do rely on some experience within our own agencies. So Having said that, Kasim, uh, great to have you back. I know you were on vacation last week, a well-deserved vacation for us to be talking Google, marketing, Facebook, social media, agency stuff today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And you know, to the point you just made, I think that this topic is critically important for businesses on a growth path because my experience is everybody makes, and I'm no different, by the way. Everybody makes the wrong first choice. Yep. You always, your first agency always sucks. Like that's just, it's like a, it's like an entrepreneurial rite of passage. And so if there's anybody right. out there that we can either save from making that decision or at least help soften the blow, yeah. I think that this is going to be a worthy conversation. Yeah. And I'm going to go out on a real limb here and piss off a lot of listeners, but a lot of agencies really suck. They really do. I didn't go out on a limb there at all, Ralph. I feel like that's just, yeah. So, all right, I'm not going out on a limb. Because we talk to dozens of business owners every single week that are coming from agencies. And the problem is, is that, you know, we, you and I started as, you know, single guys in the basement and then built the whole thing out. The barrier to entry to become an agency is really is not very great. So it's a laptop. Yeah, it's a laptop. You get a laptop. It doesn't even matter where you live. You know, I mean, if you go out and see your customers, great. We do that occasionally here. But I mean, the point is, it's like anybody can do a business like this, at least as a consultant. And a lot of them are hacks. So you, the business owner, you, the CMO, you, the VP of marketing or the director of marketing. And, you know, your ass is on the line here by picking the right agency. So hopefully we can save you from making those mistakes. Or if you're currently using an agency that just ain't cutting it for you. Well, I mean, there are some things that we do know you need. And, you know, Cosm's list and my list are not the same, by the way. And I think we're going to be going through 
a lot of that here today and hopefully be able to give you some really tactical and strategic things to look for when you're choosing a marketing agency, whether that's advertising, whether that's a video agency, whether that's a content agency, social media agency, it doesn't matter. Like Whenever you're hiring somebody out to help you grow and scale your business, I think there's a lot of things that you absolutely need to look for. Yeah. Well, and on, so the thing that you just said, Ralph, I think is maybe a really good first point, which is you have to know what it is you're shopping for. Because the quote unquote generic marketing agency, they might be the most dangerous. You know, the folks that will just do anything you ask them to do. And they, you know, regardless of what channel you pull it down, you're just like, oh, you know, can you do my TikTok ads? Yeah, of course we can. Sure. Then my, yeah. The follow-up question is, well, have you ever run TikTok ads before? <laughs> Can you run ads in TikTok? There's the – and I'm by the way, I'm slandering my own environment. That's how we started. Solutions 8 is called Solutions 8 because we had eight core service offerings when I began my business. So I was this idiot. You know, I had a, a green screen production studio and a videographer on staff, and we did SEO and right. PPC and app design and web and blah, blah, blah. It was horrible. Yep. And we were horrible. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't believe that at the time. I thought I could be the best at all of those things. But in retrospect, I just look at how naive I was. And there are some agencies that pull it off, but they got to be big. Because basically what you just did is you just ran eight different businesses. <laughs> so know, know what type of agency you're shopping for. And I think there's nothing wrong with a multifaceted agency. Some of the best ones out there are because they have to be. And so many of those things are intertwined. But the ones that just grab with both hands and are willing to do any, you know, they sit down and basically just try to weasel out of you what you think you want. And that's what they sell you. Those are the ones that are the most dangerous. Yeah. Well, before we get into all this good stuff here and slam our own initial marketing models, we'll, uh, we'll get right into that <laughs> after this quick break. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. 
So we are back here and we're talking uh, marketing agencies, Google, Facebook, you name it, how to actually hire them, how what to look for. And Kasim, I think you brought a good point is your first point, I would imagine, is what is credibility is like making sure they're good and maybe they're not masters of everything. And wait a second, jack of all trades, but master of none, right? Yeah, it's actually not about the agency yet. It's about you, the listener, customer. So you're, you know, the business owner, the CMO, whatever. Get clear on what you want. Because you're if you're just out there trying to hire an agency, that's going to be a really easy thing for you to do. But you might say, hey, I need growth. I need scale. I need proof of concept. I need offer design. I need and and what's the interesting thing about that too is a good agency should be able to walk you through this conversation, but you want to make sure that you're not being too easily led. So there's the thing that you think you want, and then there's the thing that's in front of that thing that you probably need to buy first. So, you know, you might say, like, oh, I just need more sales. And I'm just God bless America. The amount of times I'm on a call where somebody thinks they need more sales, or they think they need more leads, excuse me. Oh, I need more leads. And then I look at their sales process, I'm like, you're closing one out of 20. Right. You don't need more leads. You need a better sales process. Yeah. So get really clear on what you want and then look at the things that would be necessary in order to achieve that goal. And that will help you begin to shop for the right agency. Because now, you know, Ryan Dice says something that I really love. And I don't know that he coined this, but he definitely popularized it in my mind. He says, uh, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. So there's, it doesn't make sense to go out there and just find, you know, the random agency. It's find the agency that can do the thing that you need them to do. So get clear on what that is. Yeah. I have a bone to pick here. It's a, it's <laughs> a very, it's a, like the femur bone. It's like the big bone. It's like a rhino's femur bone. Is there like any bigger bone than that? Anyway, I don't even know what I'm talking about here. But the point is, is... I don't know much on rhino anatomy, so I'm going to just bow <laughs> out there. And- Let's go elephant. Anyway, yeah. rhino, elephant's bigger than the rhino. So the bone to pick is this, is that an ad agency looks at one thing and that's just ads. So if you're trying to hire an ad agency, you're a CMO, you're a director of marketing or VP of marketing, you say, all right, all I need is advertising because I just need to send more traffic to my offer. And maybe I'm closing one in 20. You need actually somebody to look at where the weak points are in the entire process, not just more leads. So the story I always tell, maybe if you've been a PT listener here for quite some time, one of the first customers we ever had was a bookkeeping service. And he said exactly that. All I need is more leads. So all I did is I created more leads. In fact, leads like with names, full name, phone number, and an email. And we collected almost 4,000 of them. I think it was like 3,700 in like three months. And I was like, and he fired us after three months. And he said, I was like, why'd you fire us? Like, we're giving you what you want. He's like, well, you know, it hasn't turned into any sales. And I said, what are you actually doing with those leads? He's like, I don't know. He had a sales guy. He's showing up at my front door with bags of money. Right. He had a sales sales process that was completely broken after the lead went in the door. And shame on us. We didn't, I didn't look. I didn't make sure. I was talking to a sales. This is back when I used to do mostly local SEO and, and social media marketing. So I could actually go out to his office like once a month or once every couple of weeks. And I was talking with this sales guy and I never asked the question, like, how do you get a lead so that you follow up with them to get them on the phone to do a demo for their, it was a remote bookkeeping service. 
RBQ Bookkeeping. <laughs> Believe it or not, they're in like Massachusetts. I don't even know if they're still in existence. But anyway, the point was is like we got them tons and tons of leads, but they didn't have the follow up. So stupid me for not doing that. But I think what he wanted and what he actually needed was two different things. And I think it's really important if you're going to hire an agency or somebody who's going to help you grow and scale your business, that sometimes you might actually not know what you need. Hmm. Like a lot of customers come to us, whether it's from this, this podcast or maybe Google ads, they're like, what I need is Facebook ads. That's all I need. You guys are known as like a social media marketing agency. That's what I, what's what I need. And then what we used to say, yeah, that's it. And we'll give you those things. When in fact, the real issue was their offer, their conversion rates, their sales process, their monetization, their LTV, like all these other things that had nothing really relating to do with the ads. It wasn't the targeting. You know, we had to big better targeting and and it was all about Facebook, you know, circling the wagons on the right type of audience. What they really needed was a diagnosis. And exactly to your point of what Ryan Dice said is that, you know, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. And I think the first thing a good marketing agency should do is figure out where the holes are and where to plug those holes. And it might be traffic. It might be Google ads. It might be Facebook ads. Great. It might be, you know, they have an offer on TikTok. Great. But you have to have the breadth of knowledge to understand that. But most importantly, it's in a lot of cases, it's not the ads. It's something else. It's the follow-up sequence. It's the, you know, RQB bookkeeping issue is that they have no follow-up or they're not getting any of these leads, which are super cheap in to book a call to do a demo. Like you need an agency to be able to decipher all the different parts, make a diagnosis like a physician and then say, here's your prescription. You really need landing page optimization. You also need search ads. First off, maybe you need, you know, some you know, some brand awareness ads or some video ads to be able to send back and create lookalike audiences and to create retargeting audiences to then target people. But really, you're a search-based business. So I think a good marketing agency takes a step back and doesn't just do the one thing that they know they can get a customer to write a check for maybe a couple of months, mm. but never actually stay with them any longer than a couple of months. So, and I think that's one of the things I really have an issue with, with ad agencies just in general. It pisses me off because they're selling customers and they're selling businesses things that they don't actually need. It's just stuff they can fulfill. And I think there's a disconnect there. So I want to jump on this bandwagon a little bit. And you said something often enough, Ralph, that I'm adopting it myself. You say, you know, I follow the money. And for our listeners, when you're interviewing an agency, always follow the money my experience has been with the majority of agencies, and these are my competitors I'm slandering, so everybody just forgive me for a moment. I'm going to, you know, take my good guy hat off and, uh, and say that- ownership is going, Ew. I know. <laughs> right off the cliff. The vast majority of the agencies that I see when they're submitting proposals, they're submitting proposals with massive front-end builds. Now, there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you need. But so many of these agencies, they want to build like, you know, $100,000 funnel and that you need all this media and all these ads and all this copy and all this creative. They have this huge foundational requirement on the front end. And they tell you, well, you need all this stuff before we actually start marketing. My issue with that, and Ralph, I'd actually be really interested in whether or not you want to fight me on this. Most of that, and I mean 90% of it, is going to fly out the window the minute we start running ads. 
Yeah. Landing page needs to change. We're going to split test the offer. The funnel doesn't get past step two anyway. You know, the ads, the copy, the media. If you run YouTube ads, 80% of your videos are going to be without impressions in 60 days, depending yeah. on the way that you optimize your ads, obviously. So I don't believe in this massive infrastructure build. What I think happens, what I know happens is that's where the agency makes their money. Yeah. They make their money building this big ass Leviathan and then they know you're going to be gone in three, six, nine months because they don't have the chops to, you know, help you build predictable, repeatable revenue. And then they move on to the next customer that they can call out of six figures to go build this great big thing. And what pisses me off is, you know, you build this 30 story skyscraper and you find out that the ceilings on the first floor are too low. Mm. And that's the exact equivalent because once you start driving traffic, everything is going to change. So I'm not saying don't build don't go with an agency that wants to change some of your infrastructure, change some of your build, but you want to go with like the MVP. Like what is the absolute minimum we need to do here right. in order to figure out what the next thing to do is? It's very iterative and customers don't like that narrative. They want the answer upfront in proposal format spelled out in black and white. And I think that puts them at a disadvantage and it forces them to shell out a bunch of money to an agency for stuff that they don't necessarily need. Yeah. I mean, that's almost the opposite end of the spectrum and another big bone to pick too. I think there's two things is that, you know, an ad agency looks at just ads and that's the only thing that they look at. And they say the ads are going to solve everything without looking at anything after the click. And then there's the funnel companies that charge an exorbitant amount of money and know that they're going to be gone in 60 to 90 days, but don't really care because they've already collected. I think you need to do both together, but you need to make the diagnosis on the front end and MVP it. Like whenever mm. we launch anything new, like you'll probably see our ads for tier 11, like you'll see ads out there and some of them are really shitty. <laughs> some of them are okay and some of them end up being good. So we just MVP stuff. We figure out like throw a few ideas against the wall, what sticks, and then figure out like the one that does get traction, then we iterate on it. So when you're first starting out, when you don't have an offer that's proven, that's typically what you should do. You shouldn't just put all your money into one thing. You should test out lots of different ideas at low cost. But if you're a business and you have a funnel or you have an offer that's proven, then maybe you have two or three or four of them. We're looking at you know, a number of different customers right now, like a customer we talked to on Friday, they have three different funnels. And we said, all right, what's the one that's the biggest moneymaker for you right now that's doing the best? And we focused on that one. We said, okay, our diagnosis was to do what we refer to as conversion architecture on that one funnel, but in mm -hmm. concert with testing and creative to continue growing that business. So the idea was on the funnel and the after the click side was an iterative improvement process as opposed to, no, we need to like break everything and we're going to charge you 100K to create this brand new funnel, which is totally unproven. That's wrong because I do think that a lot of businesses do come to agencies and don't really know, like they don't understand like how it all works. I don't need to pay these crazy upfront fees. You probably will need to pay a monthly fee. If it's performance-based, great. But you shouldn't have to pay 25K per month for like three months or whatever it is, or for 35K. I've seen like enormous prices, like for one funnel build out with no testing. You do it all together. But the point is, is like when you're hiring a marketing agency, you have to actually have somebody that has that type of experience 
where they can they can make the diagnosis. They've got enough experience on phones. They've got enough experience in media buying to say, all right, we're going to MVP this. We're going to focus on one funnel. We're going to improve this one. Hey, if we can get the conversion rate from one to one and a half percent, or maybe one to two percent, you know, all of a sudden your CPAs now are half what they were before. You can start affording to pay more for traffic. You can start to expand and scale and grow, and you're doing both at the same time. I think it's not an either or, but you do have to look at both sides of the equations. Mm. There's something about the there's something about the agency model that lends itself to smoke and mirrors on the front end because there's so much that we don't know. So, you know, lifting the veil a little bit, I can tell you that every time I talk to a customer, I can have the exact same customer in the exact same industry in two different geographies. And it's a totally different campaign, different mm-hmm. costs, different competition. One fails miserably, one just crushes it. And sometimes I don't know the difference. You know, like you can make some educated guesses, but you don't always get down to the bottom of it. But people want it to be a science. And maybe to our discredit, marketing agencies talk about it like it's a science. And so we present it like it's a science. And then people buy it like it's a science. And then they don't get a science and they're pissed. Mm -hmm. It's a poor relationship. So when you're shopping for an agency, make sure the way they're talking about the work allows the concept of practice. We're figuring that we're building a bridge as we cross it. We're flying the plane as you know we're in air or whatever. Building the plane as we're flying it, like whatever analogy you want to choose, this is it's messy, and it needs to be. If it's not messy, you're not doing it right. Yeah. And you know the ultra polished front end stuff, like there's nothing wrong with that. There's some agency proposals that I'm blown away by and honestly jealous of. But you know, 48 hours into the actual engagement, all that stuff's out the window. Right. And now, and I'm being you know hyperbolic, obviously, but. I think people need to prepare themselves for the mess and also not fight it. That's the other thing that's really interesting to me is all, you know, we'll talk to clients and let them know, hey, you've got 8,000 product SKUs. We just found the 1,500 products that are the highest performers. We want to, you know, see how deep this well goes. And they get real romantic about what they want to sell or now they're trying to play the inventory control game or whatever. And, you know, it's, I think it ends up being quixotic. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to deconstruct (laughs) there for sure. It's a... It's a messy process. I mean, I do think that like part of our first point here, and we should probably move on to point two, is like you do have to (laughs) kind of make a diagnosis, but a lot of that's going to change within the first 30, 60, 90 days because you're going to learn things you don't know. Absolutely. Like a medicinal diagnosis, you know, hey, I think you have this. Let's give you some of this stuff to see if it gets any better. And if it doesn't, that's why they call it a medical practice. So I, we treat marketing the same way. It totally is. Like I was, unfortunately, I have a heart thingy that I had to deal with back in May. And I was at my cardiologist last week and she's like, I'm like, well, you know, I'm on like four or five different heart medicines. And she was like, well, you know, I could try on this. I could do this. And we ended up sort of just like monitoring and like staying put, even though we weren't getting the results. My CPA was too high. So we decided to just continue the <laughs> testing phase seriously. And she's like, all right, well, we're going to book another, we're going to book another call in a month and see how things are going. We're going to look back at your ad reports and figure out where you stand. Literally, that's what they're doing. And we're going to make another diagnosis and then another potentially, in this case, a real prescription of what's going to go on. So it's a messy process, whether it's medicine, whether it's advertising. And if you're looking like the at a marketing agency, you're expecting results within 30 days, within 60 days. Like you should, like you should set the bar high, but you also have to think, all right, what's the realistic 
approach here, especially if I trust them, if I do see that they have qualifications, which is another whole thing, which we haven't even discussed yet. But like, you know, it is a marriage to a certain degree, provided that you do, you know, propose to somebody who does have qualifications, somebody who is actually good and maybe has some experience. So, but the whole process is going to be messy. And I do think as long as progress is being made and the agency is constantly iterating and moving forward and showing that progress and you as the business owner or the CMO or the VP of marketing is on board with what the plan is and makes sense based upon the data, you're moving towards the right result. Even though it's not there yet, you want to get there as fast as possible. I get it. But like that initial phase especially is a messy one. And it's Mm -hmm. one that isn't clear and isn't clean. And I don't care what kind of proposal or deck a marketing agency puts together. It all changes within like 30, 60, 90 days. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, as Mike Tyson said. So (laughs) you get punched a lot in the mouth in marketing. So what's what's the second most important thing? I think we've sort of beaten that one up pretty much. Number one, like what would be the second thing that you would recommend to people as far as if they're looking for a marketing agency, what should they look for? qualifications. There's, there's a real world of education out there. And it's not like, you know, the post-secondary ecosystem where I can just come out to you and be like, Oh, look, I have a bachelor in science and Google ads, but I can show you every member of my team has gone through this training and certification. For instance, you know, I mean, digital marketer has amazing levels of training and certification on multiple topics that are all even if they're not related directly to paid ads, they're necessary to understand the ecosystem and how you know, what it is that I'm doing is going to interact with the primary goal at hand. And so make sure that whoever you're working with is actually investing in themselves. And the way that they do that, by the way, I don't think there's a right way. It just needs to be articulated. And I mean, I buy everybody's education. You know, I feel like, forgive me for being mildly arrogant. I feel like we're world authorities. And if I'm running through, scrolling through Facebook and I see somebody's little dumpy YouTube, you know, training course, I'm going to snap that thing up because I've learned stuff. You know, there's some kid in a basement somewhere in the middle of who knows what, Ohio, pick Ohio for some reason. <laughs> and he knows something about YouTube that I don't know. He figured something out that I didn't figure out. And so yeah. making sure that you're properly qualified and that you maintain your continued education is, and building that into the company culture of the agency, I think is critically important. How does, how does somebody who's shopping for a marketing agency figure that out? Is it all badges and emblems on the site? Because I know from a Google side, sometimes the emblems and the badges don't necessarily equate to qualifications or competence. Like how would you like take it, take a step back as a non-agency owner, if you were trying to hire an agency for your agency, like how would you figure out, all right, they're really good. They're qualified. They're at the bleeding edge, the tip of the spear, all that sort of stuff. Ask. I, so I think the badges, to your point, 50% of them are garbage. I mean, you can buy badges and, you know, I get emailed, I'm sure you get the same emails, Ralph. It's like, oh, Solutions Aid has been selected as a premier Google ads agency. And for only $3,000, you can, you know, like just a total scam. So the badges and gold stars don't necessarily impress me every step of the way. Reviews do, real organic reviews. Right. But what I would do and what I've done, I'm shopping for right now. This is funny, actually, that we're talking about this. I'm shopping for a cold email agency. I want to I want to get better at cold email. We don't do it very well. If somebody out there knows, you know, something can prove it, reach out to me. But in shopping for a cold email agency, one of the things that I ask them is how do you stay up to date? 
How do you know, you know what the major changes are? We've got iOS 15 that's about to drop that's going to change the way that email is delivered. Who are the thought leaders that you listen to? Where do you go to get educated? And that should roll right off the tip of their tongue. If somebody's actually, I mean, listen, our listeners are really good examples. Y'all are at the tip of the spear. Most people don't invest in themselves this way. Most people get the job, get the gig, start the company, and then rest on their laurels. I think that that's a Pareto-driven truth. I think 80% of people know what they know, and that's about as far as they're going to go with it. And then you get the 20% that are actually willing to invest and continue education. And if somebody were to ask you, you know, regardless of what you do, doctor, lawyer, plumber, hey, how do you stay up to date? You're going to have an answer for that. Oh, man, I follow that. You know, I listen to this podcast. I watch this show. I read this book. This is my favorite author. It shouldn't be a difficult conversation. I don't think it needs to be formalized, but you want to make sure that they're properly qualified. And for me, qualification means education, especially in this space where things are changing. I, I opened up Google's newsfeed today and they just announced new identity attributes that are going to change the way that we, I mean, this happens every freaking week. I'm shooting a video about all the, the, the updates and changes to YouTube. It's not difficult to point at where you go to get that information if you actually go to get that information. Hey, it's Kasim here, and I have a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your website? Now, I know that sounds crazy, but seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully target your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. That means you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and then safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. I've personally met the CEO, Adam Robinson, and the guy is absolutely brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for PT listeners. If you are an e-commerce brand that's doing over a million in annual revenue and you've gone through their easy 30-minute onboarding process, if you don't 5X your investment within the first six months, they will give you all of your money back. To take advantage of this offer, go to getemails.com forward slash scalable. That's getemails.com forward slash scalable. Hey, PT listeners, when's the last time your business published on its blog? If the answer is, that's way too long for me to remember, I want you to listen up because our friends at BKA Content have a news service where they'll deliver fresh blogs to your inbox and all you have to do is just post them on your site. Now, these articles are all originally written just for your business. They're not generic articles that are just copy and pasted or thrown into some AI software or written by a VA. No, these are professional writers who are going to sit down and write articles just for your business. We've used them in the past, and they're absolutely fabulous. Now, if you want an extra reason to go try them yourself, BK is giving PT listeners half off their first month. Just go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual to get started. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. Well, going hand in hand with that, and I don't know if it's necessarily number two, and I, I couldn't agree more is they've got the qualifications, but do they actually know what they're doing? Like qualifications is one thing, but secondarily- Perpetual student. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Are you a perpetual student, but actually don't implement anything? 
So we're very much a ready, fire, aim kind of company here where, where we operate. So we get the qualifications and we go out and do stuff. And that's really where I think the third most important thing is, is experience. Really, like how do you apply those qualifications? Yeah, you've got the badges. Yeah, you're staying on track with everything and you're doing the continuing education. That's great. You're at the tip of the spear. But then as a CMO, a VP of marketing or a director of marketing, like how do you figure out whether or not they actually have the experience? And a corollary to that, and a lot of companies ask this, is like, do you have experience in my industry? Mm. Which is a tricky one to answer. And it's not necessarily the one that you would think. Yeah, that one's nonlinear. I'm going to split this apart and then you and I might end up fighting rough. I don't know. You should be able to, you do this all the time on, on the podcast. You'll say, oh, it's like this customer. It's like this client. It's like this campaign. It's like this account. When you've been doing this long enough, you should be able to draw correlations from your experience in a way that becomes very organic in terms of my ability to perceive what it is that you're, you've done. So you can ask about experience, of course, but I don't like, because people give you like the 50,000 foot view. Oh, we've been doing this for 15 years. I don't care. Hmm. That actually might work again. You know, I've been, my agency has been around for 15 years and I just realized this year, I was talking to my business partner. I was like, you know, that might not work well in our favor from a brand perspective. Right. Because that just means old. Right. Like, oh, y'all, you know, you're just old and you do all things the old way. Nobody's greased your gears. Hmm. Um, so I like to hear specifics in terms of what they've accomplished. But what's interesting is I'm going to be a mild hypocrite and I'm going to try to navigate this properly. So I'm saying something that's of value. I don't think that somebody needs to have experience in your exact industry as much as they need to be able to take their experience and show you how it relates. In fact, I think industry specific agencies in some instances are at a disadvantage because they're myopic in view. They only get to see what that industry is doing from a competitive standpoint, from a proactive standpoint, from, you know, like a functional, what's available to them. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, it's like, gosh, we're generating leads for this auto dealership and the strategy that we used might work for these Montessori schools. You know, like the ability to cross pollinate those strategies has been, I can't state the power of it enough. So to go two, 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 two niche, I think might be at your disadvantage. So instead you want to hear what somebody's experience is and then have them tell you how they connect the dots from an analogous standpoint. How did I do that, Ralph? Would you agree with that? I would agree with that because I think, you know, from our perspective, we've learned, we started off as more of a, a digital products agency, primarily just an info space. We're just in the info space, like every guru and internet marketing history. I think we probably worked it with it one point in time or another, which was great experience because what we did is we took that kind of experience and that's where sort of me and my former partner came from is that space. And then we translated it to other industries, service-based businesses like us. Like we market ourselves like it's an info business, even though we are a service-based business. And E-commerce, for example, we market our e-commerce companies like they're info businesses. So we've cross-pollinated things that we've learned in different industries into other industries. And that's what makes us unique. Now, I'm not saying that to tout tier 11. I'm just saying that that started off in a certain way. Like we don't market the way that you would think that would all the other agencies market themselves. And it comes from the fact that we've cross-pollinated industries, service types, and if you just break it into info, you know, services and physical products, really the three big like 
industry niches, I suppose. Like we've cross-pollinated all those three things. And I think that's been a reason why we've had success. So having said that, we've got a lot of experience in individual niches, but it's not necessarily super important to be in the exact niche. Like we have a high-end jewelry customer who we're really proud of because they we sell $1,500 earrings and $5,000 rings on social and on Google. And it's, it's great. Like it really works. Like, but the reason it works is because we took the learnings from info over to mm. this type of industry. And that's where the real experience is. So do we have experience in the jewelry niche and the men's, you know, wear niche and the men's watches niche, like all those like related niches. Yes, we absolutely do. But what we did is we did something different as a result because of stuff we did in other industries. So I don't think it's always correlative. I think it helps. The flip side to that is that we have an agency group that is now closed, but we've got a number of agency owners in there and they're smaller size than us, but they're sort of at the stage where maybe you and I were seven or eight years ago. And I say niche down to scale up. Like if you can really niche down into a specific industry, like that's a great place to start. And that's what I should have done. I was too freaked out about like not being able to pay for the health insurance and the mortgage and everything else. The point was, is like to really scale up, I should have niched into a specific area. We sort of ended up doing it with info, but in a weird kind of way. But anyway, so there is value to that to a certain degree. So I guess I'm sort of hedging on both sides. I don't think at our size, it's necessarily important to say, all right, we don't have experience in the, I don't know, male incontinence niche. I don't think we've ever had a customer in the male incontinence niche, but could I I figure out a way to do it? Because, you know, we have all this other experience with hundreds of other products and services. Yeah. And I think that's breadth of experience, not necessarily industry experience. Does that make sense? It does. And it's funny because what you said, I think it aligns. I don't know that you are hedging your bets. What you were saying was from two different perspectives. From the customer's perspective, it might not necessarily make sense to go with the niche specific agency because you're going to get a broader breadth of experience. From the agency perspective, it makes sense to niche down because you're more profitable, you're more scalable. True. But that actually kind of, and maybe, gosh, I'm, you know, lifting the veil on something I shouldn't be lifting the veil on. But if, you know, for our listeners, if you're shopping for an agency, it's not to say don't go with the niche agencies. It's to say, make sure your niche agency hasn't gotten myopic. Don't let them get lazy. I own a niche agency. We have an agency. I'm obsessed with Montessori education. I think every child deserves a Montessori school. Forgive me for that brief Tupperware moment, but if you haven't looked at it, it's the only system of pedagogy based on the scientific method. It's been around 100 years. It's amazing. Both my kids go to Montessori. I love it. Two so for my Montessori little... kids myself. So I'm a convert. Yeah. So Ralph, I, yeah, I always <laughs> forget that, Ralph. So uh, anyway, Montessori is amazing. I started this little agency to help Montessori schools grow. And it's funny because I didn't expect it to be a profit center. All I wanted to do was help Montessori schools. That was it. Yeah. It was you know more or less a philanthropic endeavor. I am blown away by the margins on this damn thing. And how freaking profitable it is, how easy it is to run, how little management it requires, how little in the way of strategy change. Like I could just set it and forget it for the next 10 years and the thing would be an amazing income earner for me. Now that's awesome for me. That's not great for the schools because, and because I'm one of the, you know, I mean, I think there's like three Montessori agencies out there and uh, I won't comment on the others outside to say that I think we are the gold standard and it would be really easy for me to get lazy and to stop innovating. And they would never know. 
And I'd have them for, you know, it'd be, it'd be at least half a decade before somebody kind of figured it out and, you know, enter this space. Now I'm not going to do that, but I do think that that's the risk that you run. If you go hire a niche agency is they've niched down so much that now they're, you know, they've cemented, they've congealed and there's just, there's nothing mobile about them. Could be cookie cutter as opposed yeah, to innovative. That's, that's so, much better. so I think that's, that is, all right. So we're kind of on both sides of the equation here to a certain degree, but I think there's pros and cons on both. Mm-hmm. But you as the business owner, you know, CMO, VP of marketing, when you're making this decision, I, I think you just have to weigh both sides of the equation to a certain degree. And I, I think there's value to both because we've seen it on both sides. So, but the point is, is you want to have that experience and you want to be able to see all right, do they have case studies? Do they have testimonials? Like not necessarily in my specific, specific niche. Maybe if you do Google, you know, Montessori advertising agency or whatever it happens to be, maybe you can find somebody in your specific niche and maybe start there and then branch out after that. I don't discourage that. Point is, is they have to have that experience and and it's not necessarily always the industry or the exact niche experience because of the you know the cross pollinization of ideas angle. So let's get on to point number three here. And I think this is an important one for both of us is tracking and reporting. I'm saying it's number three because I'm assuming it's going to be your number three, but <laughs> I'm putting words in your mouth. That is kind of an important one to have dialed in, or would you rate that differently? So this, this it gets really tactical. And if you're not used to the digital marketing world, you might hear that and go, gosh, y'all were talking at a really high level a moment ago. You know, we were talking about goals and direction and whatever. And then all of a sudden we just got really granular. Mm. And the reason for that is because in my experience, and, and I'd be interested, Ralph, if you've had the same experience, when I look at failed campaigns, which we do all day, you know, my primary call to action on my website is an audit. So we're auditing these campaigns just all day, every day. 50% of them aren't tracking properly. Well, no, let me back up. I misstated. 50% of them aren't tracking at all. <laughs> of the remaining 50%, half of those aren't tracking properly. And you might think like, oh, okay, well, they made a mistake with one thing, but there's nine other things that are equally as important. No, no, no. This is with digital marketing. It's a data acquisition approach. Right. The, the reason that Facebook and Google are better than television, radio, newspaper is because you can track things. Right. And I, it's weird because, and it's honestly, man, I'm going to say some things that maybe get me in trouble, but it's these freaking kids. You get these children, and I was one of them, who start these little agencies, and they're obsessed with being Don Drapers. Or, you know, they really want to do like the creative, they want to do the upfront, they want to do the fun part. They don't, they're very right-brained. They don't want to do the left brain nitty-gritty coding, whatever. And so they just, they either phone it in or they don't do it at all. It's a catastrophic error. You are taking a trillion dollar machine learning mechanism, the closest thing to AI that we've developed publicly anyway, and you're throwing away the most important part about it. You're telling the machine, I'm not going to feed you anything where you're basically just running, you know, batch and blast television ads at that point. So if, if the agency isn't rock solid when it comes to tracking and reporting, they are worthless. And, you know, this entire conversation, I've tried to be really soft in my approach to my opinions. This is one that I wouldn't budge on. If they aren't rock solid, they're worthless. And the best part is you don't have to know how to do tracking and reporting to know that they know. Ask the questions. How do you track conversions? How would you reconcile those conversions? Ask the logical question. Hey, if somebody called me, how would you know that? Somebody filled out my form. 
How would you know that? And then if they bought something later, how do we give that? Inf- and if they can't explain it simply, they don't understand it well enough mm. because these things aren't difficult to do. That's the really most frustrating thing about this whole thing is, is tracking is actually not that hard. It's yeah. just tedious. I mean, it, it's, it's not a creative activity for sure, but if it's not your area and you're an agency and you're not good at this, you suck. You really do. <laughs> Because, yes. because nothing else matters. Like the reporting, right. people are hiring you for performance. And I'm not saying that with Google Flock that's coming and with Facebook iOS, like things are perfect right now. But you have yeah, to. They became more important. Now but you they need now to became more, more important. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and, you know, if you're, a, if you're a CMO, VP of marketing, director of marketing, like you have people you have to report numbers to. So that's very, very important from a customer retention and satisfaction or customer success standpoint is getting those numbers right. You're constantly validating the work with the agency. Every single time you get on the phone with them or every weekly report that they send you, which hopefully your agency is sending you a weekly report for Christ's sake. Some, most of them don't. But taking a step back from that, like I don't think tracking issues that we see are quite as bad as what you see, but I would say 50% are screwed up. Yeah. In one way, shape, or form, I was just going through a couple of different case studies we're doing for a few presentations, and each one had a tracking issue. And it was, I wouldn't say it was relatively simple to fix. I mean, it sort of depends on the platform, but I don't really get into all that. But we have an entire team that does that because, and I don't like, sorry, guys, I don't like paying their salaries every single month, but I have to. It's like they're absolutely necessary. If we don't have the reporting and the tracking, and those are two separate things. Keep in mind, the tracking feeds the reporting, right? Mm. And all of this is part of this big optimization thing that goes back into the ad platform, feeds the algorithm so that you get the right sort of results. So you're using AI instead of just you know, spending $400,000 on a, on a display ad inside Oprah Magazine where you don't really know how you track. Point is, is that, and we actually did have a customer who did that, by the way, and then came to us. But the point is, is that you have to have all that in place and if it's not your cup of tea, I don't drink tea really all that much, then you need to hire somebody to get it and get smart people on board, or at the very least do use Google Analytics. There's a lot of basic stuff you can do. For us, it's third-party sources, so you, you can get first-party data, which is the See, big- what you just said there, Ralph, that's such a qualifier. What you just said, that's the soundbite for a listener. If you heard somebody from an agency say, this is the way we have a, a proven and proprietary solution. And that's what you want to hear. We have a proven, we've done it before, mm-hmm. proprietary, this is us. Mm-hmm. So Ralph, you're like, we use a third-party solution. I bet you have your favorites. And then you can explain why you use those third-party solutions. Agencies that can't do that, gosh, you just need to be careful with them. Yeah. Or they need to have their own. And right. in our case, we're building our own. So it's like, we don't really like everybody else's. The point is, is like, you have to have another solution. I mean, first-party data is the key right now. And if you're you know, a director of marketing and you don't hear first party data in your sales pitch and all you're seeing is cool creatives and all these other whiz bang things that maybe talk to the experience or the the ability to be able to get you results. If they're not talking first party data back to you that you really need to look, keep looking. I know on your side, it's at the base level, it's using Google Analytics, right? I mean, like every one of your customers obviously tied back into the Google platform, most of them aren't using Google Analytics, I would say. And then that's one of the first things that you probably install within the first couple of weeks of working with a new customer. 
You know what's funny about it is, so I like, I call it the trifecta. We triangulate our data. We track data in Google ads, in Google analytics, and then they're, so, you know, if they're e-commerce in Shopify or if they're lead gen in their CRM. And those three data sets should match ish. Ish. Google ads allows you to import. You mean they're not perfectly matched? What? Well, what's funny about it is they're both Google properties. So you would assume you want to get them, but you know, they have different attribution models and different ways of tracking. So your ads and your analytics will never be 100%. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I know that, you know, like arms me with the information necessary in order to properly manage expectations. And you want to know how it is I'm going to go in and make sure that my initial set of tracking and reporting is correct. Because if, you know, there's an old prepper motto, two is one, one is none. If you're tracking using one mechanism, you might as well not be tracking at all. Mm. Well, you need to triangulate. You need to, you need to check all factors. At the very least, you need to have one particular source of truth. And that should be your CRM, you know, your Shopify store. <laughs> it's money in the bank. It's How money in the money bank. You like, yeah. That's an important thing to be looking for. I mean, obviously with Shopify, it's relatively easy to get that kind of integration. And, you know, maybe something that we talk about a fair amount at tier 11, but maybe you as a Google guy can even explain this even better is where does Google Data Studio, if you let's say you don't have your own proprietary platform that you have, or maybe you don't use one of these third party sources, like Google Data Studio, talk to us about that. And like what people should be sort of checking off of their mind when they talk to an agency and how that integrates into reporting and tracking. We use Google Data Studio for reports. We send reports out every month. One great little soundbite, if you're shopping for a Google agency specifically, ask them, when do you send your reporting? And what you'll generally hear is, oh, we send our reports between the first and the fifth of every month. And the reason you hear that is because that's just the easiest thing to do. It's like, you know, nice little revolving door that nobody has to think about. Here's the problem. The majority of campaigns, I'll say 51% or more, have something called delayed attribution, which means that for the month of August, I don't have all of my data on September one. I might not have all my data until September 20th, depending on your delayed attribution timeline. So if you have an agency that comes out and says, boilerplate, we send our reports on the, you know, the first or the fifth or the seventh or the whatever, you automatic, and what's worse is it's, it's to their disadvantage. They don't know what they're doing because it would make their campaigns look better. Mm. So what you want to hear them say is, well, it depends on the data acquisition. And that was a little bit of the long way. But what I like about Google Data Studio is it allows us to, it's, da- it's a data visualization tool. You take all of the, because there's a mess of data. If you're talking about Google ads and analytics, like, oh my goodness, it's overwhelming for me. And I do this professionally. Like you get in there and there's just this grid and customized columns and it's just insane. Google Data Studio allows you to distill that information down to the KPIs, what matters. And one note that I'll offer is your agency should be su- reporting on the same KPIs every, every report for the most part, what there are software tools out there that agencies can pay for that only import the positive trends. They show the positive, the green lines, where are the green lines, and then they'll hide and or deprioritize the red lines. So, you know, it's, oh, hey, gosh, good news, y'all. Your impressions went through the roof. This is great. Mm-hmm. And then next month, it's like, hey, did you know you're ranking for this really weird, obscure key phrase? And then, you know, the following month, hey, our CPCs are down. You want to know, you want to be able to track with trend lines on a recurring basis, where you are. And the KPIs, and when I say that, it's key performance indicators. And I imagine most of our listeners know that. So forgive me if that sounded condescending. But the KPIs don't need to be like super obscure, right? It's like, how much did we spend? What came in? How much did we make? You know, it's that really simple math. And the nice thing about Data Studio is it makes it really easy to set up. 
Yeah. And usually it's like if you're triangulating your numbers, let's say you're running Google, Facebook, and you've got a Shopify store, like the best way to triangulate that data, like how would you show that to your customers? Like would you Google Data Studio be able to corroborate all of that into one? Like what's your sense when we talk about sort of first party data and your your real source of truth? What you end up doing there, if you're running Google and Facebook, and this is true for any two ad networks, okay? So I'm not pitting Google and Facebook against each other. That's all right. But na- you can. now we have an attribution problem because it takes 31 impressions to catalyze a conversion. They're going to see your Facebook ads. They're going to see your Google ads. And Google's going to go, hey, we did it. You know, pat on my back. And Facebook's going to go, oh, nope, it was us. Wait a second. And, yeah. <laughs> and you don't know. And here's the thing is they're both right. So now the question is as well, you know, what user acquisition, where did the click come from? And that's hard to see. You know, I mean, the GClit is tracked for 90 days. So if you have anything past a 90-day conversion timeline and that session ID is not intact, then you might not necessarily be able to see that they came from Google. Facebook's in even worse shape right now because of what iOS did to Facebook. So Facebook could be, and I see this with customers, I'll see what they think is a poorly performing Facebook campaign, but I can tell from my Google conversions, if you turn that Facebook campaign off, my conversions are going to drop. Facebook is actually outperforming what it's able to state and it just can't track it. Mm. There's no right answer. There's a bunch of software applications out there. There's one that I'm just full disclosure, I'm an early stage investor in and advisor and it's called Northbeam. They're doing a really good job at bridging the gap, but there's, there's always going to be that attribution problem. And there should be because there's, it's not linear. People have seen your message in a bunch of different places and you know now it's up to us to figure out how to properly attribute that. And to answer your question fully, Ralph, now that I've gone off on this weird little tirade is, I don't know that Data Studio is going to do a great job at telling the story in its entirety, but you'd be able to push your Facebook into Data Studio, push your Google Data into Data Studio, and then, and now it takes a human to see where the overlap is. Mm -hmm. Take some interpretation, 100%. Well, I tell a story about triangulation real quick. Yeah, go for it. I can prove that Microsoft is lying about the numbers that Bing sends. I have multiple clients where we are tracking server-side and browser-side, server-side and browser-side traffic. And I see the traffic that's being sent from Bing campaigns. And then I see what Bing reports. And it is, they grossly overvalue themselves. Hmm. And what's funny about that is it's a pretty arrogant thing for a marketing agency to come in and say, oh no, Microsoft is lying. And I don't know that it's a lie per se. I think what they might be doing is measuring clicks instead of measuring you know actual on-page impressions because their own tracking sucks. Right. But because we triangulate our data and because I can see that in multiple areas across multiple clients, I can be confident in that assertion. And if I'm proven wrong, that's fine because at least I can say this is how I reached this conclusion and whatever it was, you know, maybe a software engineer can come and explain to me why I'm an idiot. But I think that for clients, that's what you want to hear. You want to hear the confidence in your agency's ability to be able to see the truth and the tracking, the reporting, that's the truth. Yeah. Well said. Well, at least, I mean, it's never going to equal perfectly. It's never going to be perfect, especially in this this new age of, of lessened visibility, to say the least. But the point is, is like you have to have an agency that can speak to you in an educated way about it. And hopefully we've given you some pointers here on this particular section. I think we could probably go through about five or six other specific points. We might have to do a part tour on this because there is a lot to it. But I mean, I think the first section here is super important. And and obviously, you know, if you're looking for an agency, 
and you're a marketing agency or anyone for that matter who is going to help you scale and grow. I think what we've mentioned here are some pretty salient points. I mean, we're drawing on experience from what we do right now. So if you think this is just a self-serving episode, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But the point is, is like that's what we know. And we do see it all the time. At the end of the day, I mean, we're really in this. You and I are in this, not necessarily to just make gazillions of dollars, but it's actually to help scale and grow really cool businesses that want to do some pretty awesome things. And I think that's the big part of this. And we see a lot of mistakes that are made out there, a lot of charlatans in this space, guys, and beware of them. So certainly go back through this episode here and check some boxes and we'll have more resources and probably a part two here on how to pick the ideal marketing agency between the two of us. So any parting words for the PT listeners, Kasim? Yeah, I'll say that if you can't afford an agency, don't do it. If it's a stretch, and if you're concerned financially, then it's probably premature. If it's your last check that you write, don't do it. Yeah. Seriously. Like, go learn it yourself. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Like, if that isn't a (laughs) non-shilly thing. Like, we've, we've had so many discovery calls. I'm like, you guys don't need us. Like, just go spend like $10 to $20 a day and test this thing out on Facebook. Like, Take the course. Here, I'll give you my course for free. Go figure it out for yourself. Then come back to me in six months. They usually never come back, which is which is fine. You know, maybe they didn't have an offer that works or converted or whatever it happens to be. But if it's your last dollar, for Christ's sake, like figure it out on your own. There's lots of good training out there. We'll leave some links in the show notes. But yeah, well said. So for all the uh, resources that we mentioned here on today's show, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 323, the ultimate guide to choosing a marketing agency. Kasim, thanks for bringing it here, buddy. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Ralph. Yeah, man. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. 